Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. A show where a nerd fits in. The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show Toys, movies, comics, and so much more The Riley and Kimmy Show And the more that you listen, the more that you know The Riley and Kimmy Show this is a special episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show, a Way Back Wednesday interview. The Orlando Toy and Comic Con is happening Sunday, January 28th in a brand new location, bigger and better. It'll be at the Florida Hotel next to the Florida Mall. That's at 1500 Sand Lake Road in Orlando. For more details about the Orlando Toy and Comic Con, including advanced ticket locations, Visit their Facebook page or website, OrlandoToyAndComicCon.com. One of the special guests to the Orlando Toy and Comic Con is comic book creator Billy Tushi. For this Way Back Wednesday, we're going back in time to an interview we did with Billy from November 2015. We have artist, writer, illustrator, he has so many titles, creator of books and, and materials such as She, Sergeant Rock, Heroes for Hire, Red Hood, Lost Days, also Harlequin, and, and he's worked on Vampirella, one of my favorites, and that is Creator. Now, I, I'm, I'm calling him Icon, even though he might get a little, uh, you know, a little, uh, a little shy on that. Here oh, dear is, God. I'm calling you call Icon. Here's Billy Tushy. Hello, Billy. What's up, buddy? How are you? Happy Thanksgiving. Well, happy Thanksgiving to you, my friend. Now, you're going to be a busy person on Thanksgiving because... I know you're getting ready to head to the Sunshine State. Yes, yeah. Well, I'm actually in the Sunshine State Uh-oh. right now as we speak. We flew in last night. I'm at my brother's house, so we're going to spend Thanksgiving with the family, and then um, which will be great, you know, which I love, and then uh, to do something I really love, and that's like, you know, hanging out at comic shops <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, and, for the next two days. Well, we're calling it the Billy Tushy Mini Tour because you're at two locations. <laughs> <laughs> and, yep, and uh, this is this is so cool. I mean, uh, and I think it's really cool because there are comic book shops that are in nearby radius of each other, and they they play nice with each other. You know, sometimes that doesn't happen. Um, yes, know, I do. Uh, yes, I've I've watched it, I've witnessed it, and I've heard the grumblings. Yes, it's, but uh, so it's always good to go with you know. With, a lot of that I find too, though, is uh, up north by me in the Northeast. There's a lot of that. I mean, I I live on Long Island, so uh, and being a New Yorker. There's a lot of uh, rivalries between, you know, shops. Yes. It kind of sucks because we're all into the same thing. I mean, we all do this because we love it, you know? That's the reason why we're all fans, and that's how we got into the business to begin with. From retailers to publishers, yeah, editors, you know? Yeah, and, everyone's and, a comic fan. And if you can encourage anybody to read or pick up a comic book in this day and age, that is a cool thing, and everybody should be supportive of that. 
Absolutely, absolutely. But well, there's always good guys, so that's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mike's Mike, for, uh, for the weekend. Yes, Mike's comics and uh, collectibles will be your first stop in Orlando for the. I can't believe you're actually at Black Friday. I mean, uh, if somebody told me like a year ago, even uh, well, I knew this was in the development several months ago. But if somebody said a year ago you're going to be at Black Friday at Mike's Comics with Billy Tushy, I would have said you're nuts. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, it kicks off the season too. So, and you know, and we have our our child is born book. You know, that we I did a comic a few years ago. I had two partners, um, Jason Pete and Evan Archilla, and Evan is actually the grandson of one of the heroes of the Sergeant Rockwell's Battalion book, and that's how I ended up meeting Evan. And uh, we just hit it off with three pals. You know, with just you know three dads and. We, you know, they said, you know, we were just talking. I said, what I really want to do is tell the Christmas story. It's something I've always wanted to do. And uh, they're like, wow, we'd like to partner up with you on that. So, you know, we put together a little comic company called Apostle Arts. And, uh, man, it's been three years now. And, and we did our hardcover gift edition last year. And I got to tell you, this book is just, it's unbelievable how it just keeps getting, it just keeps growing. More and more people know about it. We won the Christian Booksellers association small publisher of the year for the book for uh for the so it's 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 been great man i'm just real psyched and it's a nice christmas gift and it's also kind of a i think it's one of the few books out there that someone who's never read a comic when they hear about it would actually come in and buy it you know i can't tell you how many grandmothers i've sold this book to oh boy and they want it for their grandkids for you know nice christmas gifts and so it's been a real positive experience and I mean, who doesn't like Christmas? So, <laughs> well, <you know. laughs> well, 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 of course, that Scrooge guy, but he, he learns. That's right. And then he learned, yeah, he ended up liking Christmas. So, every, you know, that's the way, you know. Now, Christmas always wins, I guess. I, I have to ask you a question about A Child is Born, uh, because I've seen it posted and where people have asked, who is the model for Mary? Okay, okay, the model is my sister-in-law's best friend, Alyssa. Oh wow! And uh, she's yeah, she's beautiful. She got a great Mediterranean look to her, and uh, she's just she she's got this you know great black hair, and you know what I mean. She doesn't have that. You know, you see a lot of the movies they have these real waspy features for Mary or yes. or or the other comics. You know what I mean? Like they they draw yes. like the Renaissance paintings. You know, she looks like like you know like a Dutch woman or something, <laughs> or you know a northern Italian woman, and that's not what Mary looked like. You know, they were, you know, they were Jews and they were, you know, very Arabic features. Right. So, and uh, Alyssa, and she's she's a sweetheart. And we gave her some glasses of champagne and gave her a little baby doll toy. (laughs) She was holding it and walking around and patting it on the butt, which is kind of funny. (laughs) I guess that inherent thing, you know what I mean? And with women, when as soon as they hold a baby, they just pat its butt, you know? (laughs) And uh, we, we did great photo shoots with a lot of my friends in it. And I really wanted to capture the feeling of it. I mean, I did a lot of research. I met with nativity scholars and priests. Oh, wow. And um, did a lot of research. They gave me, you know, they gave me go-aheads to, you know, they gave me insights on, um, like, various books of these, you know, the research on the clothing, the way the homes look. I mean, you see that your commercial Christmas right. um, nativity scene, and they're in this wooden manger, and the wise men are there. And it wasn't like that at all. You know, I mean, Jesus was born in the cave, and he was probably born in June. And the mm-hmm. day that the wise men came was, was you know, six months later. And they were, you know, and uh, that's when they were in a home, you know, in, in a stone home. But wow. what's really cool about that is that we also talk a lot about the science 
and a lot of um, uh, astronomy is involved in it. And if you look at even the program Starry Starry Night, you and you can go back in time in it. You can see where, where the stars were aligned over where at what time. And what's interesting is that the star they followed, you learn, is actually Jupiter, and yes. that's what they were following. I, this and is amazing. It, it, uh, it's interesting. It's really cool, and and how that star stopped over Jerusalem, uh, over I mean, I'm sorry, over Bethlehem, and because it, it was in its descent, you know, so it looks like it stops and then it goes back up again. Right. And the day that it stopped over Bethlehem. You know how two thousand fifteen years ago, whatever it was, was was actually December twenty fifth. So the day that the wise men, the magi, arrived and bared the gifts, the frankincense, the myrrh, um, that it was the first Christmas, and they gave him the gifts. And wow. all, all this stuff is covered in the book. It, it was cool. It was like an adventure to learn all this stuff because I didn't know it. You know, and they, you know, I'm I'm thinking. You know, the same thing with the nativity scenes you see in the stores, you right. know, and they had no wood. So there's no wooden manger, you know, it's a, it's a cave, you know, and that's, uh, so it's, and, you know, and, and the little, uh, the, uh, what is it, the rocker, you know, that, 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 that Jesus was on in, in the main, you know, in the manger is, was actually a slab of stone with straw on it. Wow. So it's cool. It's, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun to, to do it. And I hope to do more. I'd no. like to do the Beatitudes next in the Sermon on the Mount. Whoa. And then eventually do the Easter story. Yeah, um, that's, that's what I want to do next. Well, out of curiosity, when you, had, when you and your two buddies decided to you know, put this project together and do it, how long did it take you from that moment when, you, when it was a green light, where you both weren't just chatting about it, to actually have it in somebody's hands where it's done? Yeah. You know, I'm thinking, in all honesty, because it was such a fun project, so different, it might have been... The book might have came out in the year. You know what I mean? Like Whoa. we might have met when we met and got together. And my wife would know. She's the smart one. She remembers these dates. But I think I got together with him Christmas of 2012. And then by Christmas 2013. Oh, no, sorry. Christmas 2011 because that was for the soft cover. And by Christmas 2012, the book was out in stores. Fun. So we, uh, it, yeah, we all went, we went, you know. We went full scale on it, and it was it was great. It was such an experience. And Paul Mount was the colorist, and he's just added this whole. He made every page look like a painting. And I remember a funny story: is I called Bill Simkevich up because you want the you want the book to have for the audience. It's got to be a pretty conservative looking book. Okay. You know, you can't be too wild with the art because again. A lot of older people who don't normally buy comics will buy this, or bookstores, you know, like which are our customers. They're used to the more traditional style of art. So I drew in a very like cinematic type of, of way to tell the story, and the people all look like people, and the clothing all look like the clothing. But there was one point that I was kind of, I was I was very anxious about doing the angels, like oh. when the angel meets the angel of God meets the shepherds in the in the field, and and says, you know. For unto us a child is born, a savior. I mean, a, a savior is born, and I'm like, how can I draw this angel to make it interesting? So I call Bill Sinkavich up, <laughs> and Bill is just, you know, I mean, he's a hero of mine, and we had a nice, great conversation about it, and, and uh, he was a, he inspired me to do the angels the way that the way I did them. Really, that's because cool. I mean, he's a master at everything, and he's the sweetest guy you'll ever meet, Bill Sinkavich. He will give his, you know, he will give an arm and a leg for for his friends and to help you and give you guidance and things like that. And he's a master. He really is. Wow. So when, yeah, so it's cool. 
and you, when you came out, I believe you and I, well, we talked for a few seconds before we started the interview here. You, you said that you first came out with the hardcover edition, which did extremely well with Diamond. And then, no, we came, no, we oh, came with the soft cover oh, first. So, no, we came with the soft cover, okay. cover first. Okay. Yeah, the soft cover, and we, and we sold through Diamond. And because it's, we, we, we spent a lot of money on the cover, even though it's a soft cover, but the, mm-hmm. the paper stock is really thick. And the cover stock is really, is really thick, and it's got this leathery feel to it. Wow. And so the book is 32 pages of story and art, and it retailed for um, six ninety nine. Whoa. And because it's just, it was just expensive. It yeah. was to get it. But we sold... Well, I was thinking that was affordable, 12, actually. 12,000 of them. I think, yeah, we sold 12,000 of them. See, I didn't seem and high to me. it was the most... Sorry? It didn't seem very high to me in price. I mean, it, that seemed affordable. That seemed... Because of what you were talking about, the specialness of it. Oh, see, I was just terrified. Cause okay. You, you used to sell books at two ninety nine sure. for comics and all, but you know. But again, we wanted this to be something special, and they sold out. They, the retailers couldn't keep them in, so it was great. And that, so then the next year, we're like, well, why don't we do, you know, a gift edition? And we made a hardcover of it and added a bunch of extras and stuff like that. And uh, and we sold. I think we made five thousand of them and sold them out just about all of them. Wow. So. Yeah, so like, wow, there's something really special about this book. So next year, that's our goal is to now is to, we feel, I guess in part that there's only so far we can go with just three dudes, you know what I mean? Three dads. And we're talking to a lot of other publishers and bigger publishers. You want that 800-pound gorilla, you know, with its own marketing team and stuff like that to uh, see if we can go real wide, you know what I mean, worldwide with it. Now I I, I I know you, I don't want to bash any of the the big two at, at all. I'm not trying to offend any of them. When I'm referring to the big two, you, comic book nerds know who I'm talking about. Do, do they stay away from that kind of subject matter nowadays? I remember way back as a kid, you know, the uh, Kubert uh, material uh, was in. Uh, I believe. Yeah. The, it was I mean I yeah, grew up with yeah, that. Oh yeah, Kubert book and yeah. my friend. You know, actually my mentor was John Tartaglioni, who was a longtime art director at Marvel. Um, inker, you know, artist, everything like that. He was mostly on staff for the most part, but he did that Pope John Paul comic. Ah, yeah. And it sold, I think, millions. And it sucks because it was like 1985 or so, or whatever it was, 80, 82. I don't, I don't really quite remember the date, but um, it's before royalties. Okay. <laughs> he didn't get any royalties off of it. Wow. But I think Marie Severin colored it, I think. And it's just a beautiful book. But, uh, but yeah, since then, I don't think that, you know, we haven't approached them. We haven't approached the big two. Okay. Because I don't know how, I mean, that's fun to do the stuff I do with them, but I don't know if a company like that takes ownership or, or what, whatever. So we're looking okay. at other book publishers and comic publishers and see who's the right fit for it. That's but cool. yeah, I haven't seen them do anything like that in a long time. Yeah, I mean, uh, when you know, when I first became aware of of your your piece here, uh, Mike really, I mean, Mike Mike Mike's comics. I mean, when he and I were talking in an interview recently, that's his prime, his number one favorite of yours because I asked him and. And he's like, "Do you have that in your collection?" I said, "No." He goes, "You're going to get it in your collection." I said, "Yeah, I am." He goes, "It." He goes, "It is my favorite." And um, I was like, "You know, I I was trying to remember that kind of material in any of the big guys." Uh, and I was like, you know, I haven't seen that since I was actually a kid or, you know, teenager uh, out. And that, to me, is unfortunate because uh, I think, once again, when we're talking about getting people to read, if, if it gets people into, yeah. the, into sequ- sequential art uh, or even just read, that's great. Right. Absolutely. So, so it's, it's, buddy, it's worked out great for us. I have no complaints. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm 
more than extremely happy over over how it's going, and we'll see how it goes next year. That is so. We'll cool. See where it goes. If we go bigger with it. That'll be even greater. Well, if we can reach a broader audience, so 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 much the better. Well, I have a link to the book uh, right on our website at RileyandKimmy.com right now, and so that's available for people uh, to check out and be uh, to to add it, you know, find it and uh, and get it to part of their collection or as a gift to somebody. Now, I, I need. Oh, to- thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. We really did pour our heart and souls in it. We wanted to make them, you know, the most beautiful product we could. Well, I noticed. And uh, I think we succeeded. Speaking of heart and soul, and because I'm well aware of this one, your Sergeant Rock, the Lost Battalion. I mean uh, that is definitely a labor of love it has to be i mean for you oh yeah oh yeah that yeah and I, I, that was because and if you look at that book it's really what we how we approach it was like almost like a documentary um because the veterans were so involved in it and that's why there's a lot of um not just exposition but there's a lot of details about specific units about the area i mean i went crazy i mean every article of clothing is exactly akin to what that specific unit both American and Germans were wearing at the time and the type of cameras and the type of weapons and who would wear what and who who you know what was stenciled on whose helmet and things like that what ribbons the German officers wore all all of that stuff and I gotta tell you it's been the most rewarding experience of my career wow to work with these veterans hand in hand and and have them thank me for doing this book. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Because about four years ago, I was the keynote speaker at the Japanese American Veterans Reunion in Vegas. Fantastic. And it was, they flew my wife and I out there, and I remember just asking them questions. And you got to see, these men, are, what's so extraordinary about them is that they went they they volunteered to fight for another's freedom while their own families were incarcerated behind barbed wire here in the internment camps that, that Roosevelt set up for them. And it's it's extraordinary just how, how humble these men are. And I remember there was something in Japanese, and I had asked them, and the guy's like, I don't speak Japanese. And he's like, does anyone here speak Japanese? <laughs> you know, none of them did. There was one one guy's wife goes, oh, yeah, I, I know. Let me see what that says. And like, oh, yeah, that means it, you know, type of thing. And it was funny because they're just, you know, regular guys, you know, and, and, and just because that their parents were born in Japan or grandparents, you know, they were interned, you know, in camps guarded by soldiers with machine guns and stuff. And what's so crazy is that they still wanted to volunteer and fight for America because they, they believed in this country and the values so much that, it, and they went and they fought the Germans and man, they became the most decorated unit in U.S. military history. Uh, and I, and it's just that story in itself is extraordinary. And even even the the Texans that it's it's the the book for those of you who don't know it's 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 called the Lost Battalion. And there was a battalion of soldiers from the 36th Infantry Division, which were primarily Texans, and they were cut off and surrounded for a week. And they were surrounded by 7,000 Germans. There was 274 of them, and they held these Germans off though these guys which is amazing. And Martin Higgins, the captain of the Lost Battalion, and that's Rock's captain, and Rock and Easy Company are in there with the battalion. Um, just the defense he made and the, the strategy he used that the Germans thought there were a whole bunch more of them because he was a cavalry officer, and he just kept his men moving. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They would jump, they, they right. would jump from foxhole to foxhole every time the Germans attacked a different area, so the Germans thought that there were a lot more of them. And, uh, and you just think of the bravery and of that and and Evan Archilla's grandfather, my partner for a child was born, 
his grandfather was one of the, there was only eight pilots in the entire European theater flying that week because the weather was so bad. Oh, no. And he was one of the volunteer pilots to resupply the lost battalion. And what they did is they had belly tanks with usually fuel and they stuffed them with food and ammunition and water and they dropped them. And, and one of them was killed in the, in the attack, in, in the, in the drop. Uh, one of the pilots was shot down and, um, it's just, oh no, actually he crashed into a mountain because he couldn't see. He crashed into the, he literally went down into the mountain. And, uh, it's, uh, just that week, the bravery that, that happened in, you know, to, that those men went through 70 years ago, it's, it's phenomenal. It really is just, a, it's just phenomenal. And, you know, I'm in awe of these guys, all of them. So. Well, you do, you do point out, if I remember correctly, that it, it was an actual, like a 300 thing uh for that leonidas faced uh but it happened in, absolutely yeah. Yeah, yeah close to our time i mean it's unbelievable and uh, i hope at least now people will at least become more aware of that i mean this isn't a piece of fiction that you 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 were creating i mean this was a real event that you you fictionalized you know and utilized for sergeant rock but it, it's it's deep uh rooted in history Yep, and I just pitched them another Sergeant Rock, so we'll Uh-oh. see, knock on wood, see what happens with that. But that'll be a real love letter to Joe Kubert and Bob Kaniger. I'd like to, to be heavily in- influenced by Joe's art in my drawing style. It'll be a departure from the Lost Battalion, and even in, you know, in the writing style. But it's based on one of the most extraordinary moments of the war, and that's the only time it took place in the last couple of days of the war and it's the only time the u.s army and the german army fought side by side no whoa and i'll leave it at that. No, yeah no. and and uh and i have in it i have man i have enemy ace i have the unknown soldier whoa. i have mademoiselle maria i have everybody <laughs> what not? i want to tank so uh, matter of fact i'm holding lost battalion in my hands here right right now and at the very i believe at the very back page here you have a picture of the very first well close to the back page you have a picture or a scan of your sergeant rock Issue 278 that you got in 1975. Uh, but is it 278 or 274? Hold on, hold on. Let me look two, I'm looking right at it. Hold on. My vision's not that bad. Hold on. It's 278. It, it, it could be. You have 278 here that you scan. You said the very... Uh, okay, 278. Okay, okay. Yeah. Man, I've been lying to people for years because I keep I keep mistaken thinking it's 274, but I guess not. <laughs> well, Yeah, you, my friend Barry gave me that. It was his, and he gave it to me. Like, read this. I'm like, oh, my God, can I keep this? He's like, sure. And look how beat up it is. You oh, know? yeah. That, that was my first Target Rock comic. I still have it to this day. Now, do you, would you say, you know, this uh, Kubert right there maybe was the the thing that made you say, this is what I want to do, or was it before that? Absolutely. No, no, I didn't want – no, no. I, I, I wanted to do it, but even in college, I was so um, – uh, you know, you look at Joe Kubert, you look at John Byrne, you look at George Perez, right? You look at you know Art Adams, you know, you look at these, um, you know, John Bashemis, you know, you look at this amazing art. And even when I went to school for illustration, I didn't think I could do it at really? all because I was so in awe of them. And uh, and I'm like, oh man, I'd love to do this, but I can't do this. You know, I remember talking to John Tartaglione, the one who drew the 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 Pope comic book, and and he said, well, when you get started, you'll probably make $25 a page. And I'm like, $25 a page? I'm looking at these page, George Perez pages. I'm like, oh. it's going to take me a week to do a page. What am I going to make, 25 bucks a week? And then um, 
then I started seeing the image guys coming out, you know? Okay. And and seeing their stuff and how different I saw. I'm like, oh, man, I can do this. And look at me. And now, you know, 20 years later, here I am. <laughs> Whoa. And, and, I, and you are inspiring yeah. people around you left and right. Um, like uh, I told you before we recorded this, we were at Megacon Fan Days just uh, over the weekend. And I have some artist friends that are just, they are, they're like, man, he is just, they are like, freaking out that they're going to nerd boy they're going to come to uh mike's comics and collectibles uh, because they're like you know they are just so uh inspired by you i mean you're an inspiration and that, that's well, yeah like i said i've been inspired by real guys they should look at the oh. uh, you know the guys i just mentioned whoa you know but i did I, I tell you something i did was great that i was in rhode island two weeks ago and i was sitting next to simon Bisley, and he came by and was looking at my original art for sergeant rock and i've known simon since 94 when I met him. Okay. And he's like, wow. I'm like, what? He goes, you know, I've known you all these years. I, I never knew you. I never thought, I never knew you were this good. <laughs> oh. I'm like, oh, man, dude, you just made my year. Whoa. He's like, oh, this is really great. Wow. You know, because they see, like, you know, because I do so much, you know, pinups of, the, of women and, and the covers of the, you know, the female characters right. and stuff like that. But, man, and I did go to school for fashion illustration. And I am, you know, I guess that's what I'm known for. But, man, dude, I draw a tiger tank over a, you know, over a, uh, a pinup girl any day, to be honest with you. I'd rather draw Mustangs and P-47 Thunderbolts Whoa. and, you know, Sherman tanks and paratroopers. I'd rather draw that any day of the week. <laughs> well, I, 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 you know, people, it's funny. Yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. There's one other thing I love to draw, too, though, is that when people ask me, what do you draw for fun? And the whole joke is, you know, amongst all of us, like, I don't draw for fun. I draw for money, <laughs> you know, because that's how you, you know, you're always with deadlines. But there is one thing I like to draw for fun, and that's the Rocketeer. And I draw the Rocketeer oh. all the time. Whoa. That is my all-time favorite character. Um, I was at a convention, actually, with, with Billy Connolly. Um, uh, how long ago was it? Uh, um, I don't know, two years ago or three years ago, I think, in England. And we just spent the whole weekend together, you know what I mean? And, and he's like, he's the rocket. He's like, his favorite character is the Rocketeer, and I'm, I'm his favorite. I'm his hero. I'm the Rocketeer. And we watched rugby, and it was, it was great. We just, we had the best time. We palled around the whole time, like, holy crap, I'm hanging out with the Rocketeer, man, you know? Whoa. So it was a lot of fun. That is so cool because I see. I love the pulp era. You know, the the shadow, the Green Hornet, the, and the Rocketeer, which I consider part of the pulp era as well. As well, uh, I just yep. love that stuff. So that is so cool to hear. You know, I I would have thought maybe somebody maybe coming out of you would have been well. You know, it's Sergeant Rock. <laughs> it's uh, you know, or yeah. or something or Harlequin or something. You know, that that's totally shocking. That's that's yeah. really cool. But you know, you know what's great about the Rocketeer too is that here is a character that is. Um, it's 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 just like you or I could be the Rocketeer if we found a rocket pack. Yeah, exactly. you know what I mean. And yeah. he's not—he doesn't have any superpowers. He doesn't have—he's not super smart. He's—you know what I mean? He's—he's he's just a dude who's got you know a regular guy that's in trouble and he's got to get out of it, and then he has to save people and all. And you know, and you've got all these you know Nazis and right. Hollywood and all this cool air old GB airplane air racers and all that stuff. And man, Dave Stevens, like I said, he just. What a genius, you know. He just re he changed my life, that guy. You know, wow. he really did, Dave. Just, just, you know, talking to him. And we even had a pitch together um, and uh, that we wanted to do together. And uh, we'll see what happens with that because there's talks now with people that this might happen. So I, I can't say too much. I get excited about things, but okay. I don't want to see because next year you're like, well, whatever happened? Remember you mentioned that? You doing something with the Rocketeer? Whoa. And I'm like, yeah, you know how to go. But 
Now, we'll see, but it would be a dream for me, a dream project, if I can pull this sucker off. That, so. well, I, I want to see it. I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm already there. I'm, I'm standing in line at Mike's <laughs> Comics. <laughs> I'm saying, get me that issue. I'm yeah, ready. That would be a dream thing, if I can get that, and if I can get, you know, I want to get Darwin Cook to draw it. Whoa. That's what I want to do. I want to write it. Well, so, see, we'll see. Man, now I'd love you know you two together, you know, because I've been a fan of Cooks. A little later, I got involved with Cooks, but with New Frontier, when he when he did that, you know, the that was like wow, I was sold from that point on. Oh yeah, and he's a he's a genius too. Yes. I just, you know I love cartoonists. I love because I'm so hyper detailed, and it's probably because I'm just insecure <laughs> with my drawing ability. So I have to add all these folds and all this stuff. And you get guys like Darwin and you look Jeff Smith, you know, and these guys that are just real cartoonists and just get it, you know, and have confidence in their art and their art looks alive. And that's, uh, I, I just in awe of those people. I, I really am. And I'm just like, wow, look at this. Now, How did you just do that? You know, <laughs> now out of curiosity, yeah. here, here's a question I have for you. I hope that you've never been asked before is, um, when, you know, because you, you were independent at first. That's really how you, you became onto the scene, right? Yeah. Now, yeah, 11 years I did it. Yeah. What? Because I, you know, I, I have artist friends that, and they're, you know, they want to get into the big two, get published, and, you know, that's their dream and everything. Um, what was the major thing when you started going into that world that you noticed as a difference? Was there something there that was not what you expected when the big two? You, well, you, you know what it was? I couldn't, well, I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I couldn't get work from them. They would tell me, I remember I, I met with a DC, with a Marvel editor. Okay. And he said, you know, this isn't a Marvel face. And they said, do you think you could draw like Jim Lee? Whoa. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't draw like Jim Lee. I mean, look at him. And, you know, and, 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 the, and the DC editor's like, well, this isn't the DC style. Whoa. You know, your characters are too long, or this isn't, this isn't our style. And it was the San Diego Comic-Con. It was 1993. I went to San Diego Comic-Con to try to get work. And, you know, I basically, you know, again, I had some interest in Marvel, but they wanted me to draw, like, literally copy Jim Lee's artwork, art wow. style. Wow. And I'm like, you know what? If I even could do that, I don't think I want to do that. And I met Brian Polito, and he was starting, he had Evil Ernie, he was starting that. And he, he's one of the first professionals I met, and he was just starting out, you know what I mean? And he had this little booth in Artist Alley, and man, we just hung out with him the whole time, and he's just such a great friend and a great guy. And I got home, and I remember sitting there, and I'm like, you know what? I can do this. I'm going to do this myself. And that really what inspired me to do my own book. And then at San Diego the next year, forget it, she number two had come out. By this time, we were on NBC News and E, e mm -hmm. Television because they couldn't like, who are all these people Whoa. seeing this dude? Who is this guy sitting here? And I'm like, you know, I'm dried eyed 20 something year old kid, you know, and I'm like, wow. holy, what the hell is this? You know, and, and uh, we just had this huge line. They had to move us to the autograph area because who knew? Wow. I didn't know it was that big. You know what I mean? And, and it just was unbelievable. And I'll tell anyone. I know, yes, it, see, the reason why I like to work for Marvel and, and DC and do stuff for them, and I'm real fortunate, though, too, because I did Chief of 11 years, and that's all I did. And you do get burnt out. I mean, mm -hmm. we sold over 3 million comics, over 3 million She-Books, you know, we sold. But you just do the same thing over and over again, you get a little burnt out. And now I had the opportunity to do these characters I really love, the characters I grew up with, you know, like Sergeant Rock. I always wanted to do Sergeant Rock. And because I'm friends with, you know, I, you know, a lot of these deals also just take place at restaurants or you're at the con at the hotel bar, just hanging out and stuff. And, and I think a lot of them like me, 
or I became friends with them, genuine friends with a lot of the people there, because I never had to ask them for anything. Oh, wow. You know, I had my own thing. So I just became friends with a lot of the editors and public and, and, and the executives and the other artists, just as people, you know what I mean? Just as friends. And we would talk about, you know, football and talk about, you know, the news and, and you know, of course, talk about comics and history, but I never, you know, I, hey, hey uh, so can I, uh, get a cover you know i never had to do any of that stuff oh, so nice. they i guess they always felt bothered and you make real you know genuine friends because you just become friends with people just on your shared mutual interests as opposed to you know trying to hustle work from them and all so again that's the point is that i've been real fortunate but also to tell the people they can do what they want do their own creation you own that all and you'll make, you know, like, like even with, I love doing the Marvel and DC stuff, but when I do she, I make more money when I do my own books, and, and you know, you, because you own everything. You get everything. And you have control, creative control, right? I mean, you, in you comparison. have complete creative control. And you know, what's great too, though, is you have the internet now. You have, you know, these, you know, there's an Eisner award for a web comic book. Wow. So you don't even have to pay to print the book. So you could put out this web comic, get get the you know spread the word on that, get the get you know get get a build an audience just online from you know people reading comics on the web, and then if you want, because everyone loves paper, I love holding a comic in my hand. I think you agree that it's something oh, yeah. special. But then once you get those followers, then you can publish your own book, and you'll have a built-in audience already, and then you can afford to do it. You can either do a Kickstarter, you know, or or GoFundMe or something like that, and then put those books together. And then you can have your book there on paper, but it's a, it's a, an IP that you own and you have total control of, and you can do whatever the hell you want. Well, and and it's been you know it it could change your whole life, change mine. Well, I'd be painting houses for a living if it weren't for you guys. You know, oh get out of here, you painting houses. I can't imagine that. No. Yeah, well, I used to say I'd be painting bridges, but I think I'd be retired now after doing it for twenty years. I'd probably have a real nice pension. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, mentioning comic books, I'm kind of curious here, because I know you have time restraints. I mean, you're, let's face it, you're, you're a family man as well. You're not just a solo artist out there in a, you know, a, a painting in his, his right. studio or, or drawing and, and, or illustrating in his studio. Um, do you still read a comic books occasionally? and Or is it, it, one, outside of time restraints, is it impossible to do being the artist and writer because you're dissecting it? You're like... Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, you do. I spend a lot more time in comic shops talking about comics than actually reading them. But what I have been reading is all those great um, collected editions, those big ones, the old black and white, you d- like you know, the, the showcases. DC Silver Age stuff. The, you know what? Where are they called? Those big omnibuses yeah, and all that. The DC. I love those. Yeah, the DC showcases. That I collect those as well. Yes, yes. And let me tell you something. There's you see. You look at the Marvel stuff. You look at that. There's one. One of my favorite stories is is Stanley and Kirby's. Um, it's, it's. I think it's from January or June 1966. It's Fantastic Four, and it's this man, this monster. Oh yes. Where um, there's a scientist that 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 makes a, a he he somehow turns himself into the thing, and then ends up you know and he wants to take over for Ben Grimm, and he's kind of an evil guy, but then he ends up sacrificing himself to save the world. Yes. And that story is told, it's such an epic story that Stan was able to write and Jack to do, was told in 24 pages, 22 pages. And today in a lot of these epics, you know, a lot of these event books that come out, you know, with, with through Marvel and DC, it would take 10, 12 issues to do yes. that. 
And there's just something so great about the Silver Age and these stories, and they're all, you know, like one-shots or two, you know, maybe a cliffhanger, you know what I mean? And right. they were just fantastic. Great. I mean, they were movies. They were all little movies. Yeah, I, now I, people are trying to do, you know, five issues, five seasons of a television series. I try to encourage people, so, who, you know, for kids to get into reading comic books. I say, you know, get that Silver Age material, save your money, you know, from back issue wise, and get the the showcases or the Marvel Essentials, and you know, start reading yeah, those, yep. and and it'll open doors uh, either for them to draw or or to write or you know, really to read. And I, I think that's so cool. Yeah, I mean, look at Kirby's art. You know, look at John Buscema's art. I mean, look at John Romita's art. I mean, golly, just. I don't know. I, I I'm still in all. I could talk to you about this for hours, so I know we have time constraints too. But well, but uh, that's what I read. Thank you to Billy Tushy for that interview on the Riley and Kimmy Show. You can meet Billy Tushy Sunday, January twenty eighth, at the Orlando Toy and Comic Con. Attention comic book fans, toy collectors, lovers of pop culture, and cosplayers. The Orlando Toy and Comic Con is happening Sunday, January 28th. It's bigger and better in a new location. The Orlando Toy and Comic Con is being held at the beautiful and spacious Florida Hotel and Conference Center, 1500 Sand Lake Road, Orlando, Florida. Attention zombie fans, meet Tony Moore, the co-creator of The Walking Dead. Get your photo taken with one of the world's leading cosplayers, Cecil Grimes, impersonator of Rick Grimes of the hit TV show, The Walking Dead. This is your chance to meet Nick Bradshaw, artist on Guardians of the Galaxy, Wolverine, and the X-Men. Artist Ryan Stegman of Spider-Man, Scarlet Spider, Wolverine fame. Artist Billy Tushy, the creator of the comic book, She. Artist Ryan Otley, best known for Image Comics, Invincible. Frank Thierry, writer of DC and Marvel Comics and the video game Marvel vs. Capcom 3, Fate of Two Worlds. Discover why many consider the Orlando Toy and Comic Con the best one-day comic book toy show in America. Visit Orlando Toy and Comic Con's Facebook page for locations of advanced tickets and the website orlandotoyandcomiccon.com. Share with all your friends Sunday, January 28th. It's the Orlando Toy and Comic Con at a new location, bigger and better, with many new vendors bringing tons of comic books, toys, pop vinyls, collectibles, and more. It's the Orlando Toy and Comic Con. It's worth the drive. It's worth the flight. January 28th, the Orlando Toy and Comic Con. Don't miss it. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.